We are starting um, a new sermon series today, and we'd like to create some time to pray. And so we want to try and keep uh, these focused these next four weeks on looking at the book of Isaiah and how he looked forward to the coming of Jesus. We live in a world which I think is very preoccupied with the destination and the end point. And what do I mean by that? I think we will live in a world where we're constantly trying to get to the place that we want to be. It's a very driven world. It's a, it's a world that is frantically trying to get to that place, which is usually a place of success and a place where we feel acclaim and we feel uh, worthy and we feel worth it. And they, those aren't bad things. But the world that we live in with this infatuation with the destination means that we sometimes can miss the importance of the journey that we are on. And I was mindful of this recently, the importance of remembering the journey when I was on holidays recently in America, myself and Dillis went from a road trip from Niagara Falls all the way to just outside Miami. It was quite the road trip. But we decided to go to Disney World in Florida. Hands up who's been there? Yeah, it's quite, it's quite the place. And so we decided to go. Some generous friends of ours uh, arranged uh, for us to be able to stay there, and which was a real blessing. So we decided to go, and I remember saying to Dillis the night before, she says, now which way are you going to go? Because we weren't actually staying on Disney. Uh, we were staying about two hours away, so we had to travel there to stay the night and then do the next day on Disney. So Dillis said to me, now which way are you going to, to travel? This is very important. And I said, oh, it'll be grand. I'll just look at this map here and then we'll follow it. And Dillis was politely saying, are you sure you really want to go this way? And I said, yes, I want to go this way. And there was a marital beginning to develop and uh, a dispute was arising. But anyway, I went my way. And uh, <laughs> we've all been there, right? Um, I went uh, the way which I thought seemed better and I thought was going to be the better way, but it, we ended up getting slightly lost. We ended up in a huge rainstorm. We ended up having to stop in various places, and the journey took longer than we had originally anticipated. But we ended up getting to Disney, which was incredible, actually. It far exceeded my expectations. And before I knew it, I'd totally forgotten the journey that uh, uh, we had been on, which was pretty stressful, I have to admit, especially for me driving, um, even though I did go the right way. Uh, it, was <laughs> it was very stressful and it was uh, quite challenging, the journey. But as I got to Disney, I had forgotten very much about uh, how stressful that journey was. And I was thinking on this as I begin to approach and head into Advent. And oftentimes we rush through to get to Christmas and I think we rush into that place where we want to be sitting having our turkey dinner. Uh, God willing, that's something that you'll be able to do this year with family and friends. Uh, but we can forget this season of the church which can seem confusing, it can seem uh, difficult to understand, particularly because some of the readings that exist in Advent, uh, we tend to rush through them to get to the destination of Christmas. But this is the first day of the new year, traditionally in the life of the church, the beginning of Advent, 
And I really believe this four weeks are very important in our lives as we transition and we work through the journey of building up to Christmas because we can't fully understand the significance of Christmas without tracking through the journey of Advent. And the readings that are chosen this year for the journey of Advent and the season of Advent, the teaching team have decided to go through some significant scriptures in the prophet Isaiah. And they can be confusing, they can be tricky, they can seem to lead down dead ends and we're saying, how does this lead us to the destination of baby Jesus? But yes, they do. Our reading today, I'm going to read it now, is Isaiah 2, 1 to 5, and Rory will put it up on the screen there. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach his ways, he will teach us his ways so that, he, that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now we can look at this reading and say, why is this an advent and how does this relate to the journey towards the destination of Christmas? But Isaiah is a very important book in looking at this journey through Advent. Isaiah is uniquely suited to help us get our bearings on the whole Bible. The deeper we go in the journey through Isaiah, the deeper we find we've gone with the rest of the Bible. Isaiah can stand as a towering mountain in the biblical landscape, and as we climb and as we journey, we can gain this great vision from which we look backward and forward across the sweep of all Scripture. You see, Isaiah can form a bridge between the past and the future, between the prediction, between the journey and the destination. And this is on a slide, I think, yeah. He looks forward to the first exodus and then and then he looks backward to the first exodus and then forward to a new exodus, backward to the first creation and forward to a new creation, backward to the first Jerusalem and forward to a new Jerusalem, backward to the first Davidic king and forward to the new Davidic king. Several hundred years later, Jesus arrived to bring Isaiah's promise to fulfillment. And that's written by a resident biblical scholar, Scott Hill. Let's give him a round of applause. Yes! <laughs> Well done, Dr. Hill. I love that. Dr. Gallon and Dr. Hill, brilliant. I love it. So this idea of the narrative of Scripture, and James made a very good point that we can't be stuck in nostalgia. We can't uh, allow the Bible just to keep us rooted in the past. But yet, Isaiah is a little bit, I would like to say, and Brian McLaren talked of the idea of being a pole vaulter. As Christians, we have to um, go backwards in order to understand uh, where we are at the moment in Scripture. And like a pole vault, if you notice, they will run back in order to run forward. 
And oftentimes we forget the significance of scriptures like Isaiah and we want to rush through uh, these scriptures, but they are so significant in understanding this journey towards Christmas. Our passage today holds all of these things that Dr. Hill uh, espouses us to, but especially what Isaiah is looking forward to is one thing on a superficial level, which is essentially the reinstatement of Jerusalem, and that is in the past. It was a very difficult time for Israel. They were under conquest from the Assyrians, and he was looking forward to a new reinstatement of Jerusalem. But it's also underlying this superficial reading of Isaiah. This is why we have to go back to go forwards. He's also looking forward to a coming a vision, a new uh, arrival of a Messiah, this expectancy of something even greater than just a reinstatement of a physical city. Isaiah is like, you know, those imaginary books that you get at Christmas when you open the pages and you look and it's all these squiggly lines and it says that you have to look with your imaginary eye and then when you look, you see this new image. Do you know those books we get at Christmas? And Isaiah is like that. And that's why an Advent, in the journey through Advent, Isaiah is a perfect book to open our imaginary eye as we move back to look forward to the coming of Jesus. And this passage has two very significant and yet simple uh, important aspects of what this, this future ministry of Jesus Christ, which came in the birth of Jesus, there's two aspects which are very significant, what this passage is saying to you today, to us today. Two very important promises about this future Messiah. We exist in that time where the promises of his reality are real to us. In Isaiah's time, they weren't. And there's two promises which are so important in the journey of Advent that we must remember and that we must remind ourselves of, which Isaiah is talking about. The first is the promise of God's presence, the promise of his presence. It says that the mountain of Yahweh's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and all the nations shall flow to it. And again, if we read this as a superficial level, we just think of this imagery of the, the importance of the Israeli people way back about 500, 600 years before Jesus, that they would actually walk up the mountain to Jerusalem because it's up on a, on a hill and they would physically do that as part of their rites and ceremonies that would be part of their liturgical year. But yet if we look with our imaginary eye, if we stare at the picture long enough and read the text and engage with the text, not just to be stuck in the past but to pole vault to the future, we actually see the promise of God's presence which is what Isaiah is talking about in the ministry of Jesus. And why is that? How is that hidden in the text? Well, mountains were always the place where significant things happened in the Bible. Moses received the law on top of the mountain. Isaiah met God in a very real way on the mountain. Jesus was crucified on the mountain. And so what Isaiah is saying in this section is that uh, on, on the mountain, he says something which is totally counterintuitive. And if you look hard enough, you can see it. He says, all the nations shall flow to it. 
Now, rivers usually flow down mountains. Rivers don't usually flow up mountains. And so Isaiah was saying something. He was saying, in a time, the opposite is going to happen to what you're living in now. God is going to do the impossible. He's going to bring the nations which are pushed apart. He's going to uh, bring people together who are divided. And he's going to work against the gravity of this world in bringing his presence against sin and atrocity and bring us that place of his presence. And through the ministry of Jesus, this idea of, of flowing to that place where we are all invited to the mountain. And so whatever mountain you're existing on today or whatever place you're in at the moment, Isaiah is reminding you of the promise of God's presence and that you're not alone. And that's an important aspect, which again, you can miss if you just read at the superficial level. Secondly, is the promise of his peace. It says, he will judge between the nations and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. We don't like this word judge, especially in today's culture. But I think if again, we had James up here or we had someone from a legal background, God is not the sort of judge that makes bad decisions, he is the perfect judge. And so we can trust him in that. But this idea of being uh, the judge that will encourage us to beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks is a very important reminder that we are meant to be a people of peace and that we are meant to not be people who are pro-war or people who are uh, constantly trying to be a part of the way the world wants to be in, in war with each other. The second coming of Jesus and what Isaiah was looking forward to was a, a time when there would be people who are anti-war, a people who are pro-peace. And that's why this text of Isaiah 2.4 is engraved on the wall of the United Nations headquarters in New York by a group of, of people from different faiths, but mostly Christians, from New York. And there's a large sculpture of a blacksmith beating a sword into a plowshare which adorns the UN grounds there in New York. In Washington DC, there's a large plowshare sculpture onto which thousands of disabled guns have been, have been welded. And the label simply reads, guns into plowshares. And so Isaiah was encouraging us today, he was looking forward to, to bring us into this future time under Jesus where we would be uh, underneath the promise of peace and that we would aspire to be part of that peace. But it's not just the physical peace, it's also a spiritual peace. It says in Isaiah 26.3, it says, You, O Lord, bring perfect peace to those who put their trust in you. And so Isaiah existed in a very um, complex time when there was all sorts of atrocities going on, but he was looking forward to a time when there would be a, a greater peace and that we would be a part of that peace, but it's a peace which is personal and not just something which is part of physical war. And so for you and for us today, as we journey through Advent, the reminder and also the challenge and the encouragement is of these two promises and how they work out in your life. 
as we journey through a very busy season where Advent has been suppressed into calendars and, and, and mad shopping and preparation. They're not bad in themselves, but as Christians, we're called to practice the presence of God, to promote peace, and to encourage each other in this season as we look towards the destination of Christmas. And so Advent is not only a time of remembering the events leading up to Christmas. It's not only looking back to the events that took place in the time of Isaiah. Advent is a period of preparation for you for the coming of Christ. It's a time when we especially anticipate the return of the glorified Christ. It's a time when we are exhorted together as a community to walk in his presence and be filled with his peace and look for those who aren't and those who don't feel it. Isaiah encourages us to embrace this hope for a future with God. And so you're invited afresh to walk in the light. And walking in the light means to be prepared. Walking in God's light requires that we put our hope in God alone. And this last bit up on the screen, which was written by Jürgen Moltmann, a great guy when talking about Advent. When we walk in God's light, we live each day as if we were as if it were our last. It means looking for signs of God in every day, events in our lives. It means taking the opportunities which God gives us to also help others see God's light in their lives. And so, as we journey into Advent, ask yourself the question about experiencing God's presence and also the promise of his peace. Journey into the book of Isaiah be a part of the services that we're putting on or the various aspects that are running and helping the poor because God's presence and God's peace are best manifest through our practical work. And so I'd love to give our yes to God as we head into Advent and that's Sherry's last song. I'd love us to, to really pray for that yes and uh, seek after his presence and look for his peace as we head into this season. So let's just spend a moment of silence before the guys set up in actually asking God's spirit to remind us as we move back to look forward to the coming of Jesus at Christmas, the true destination of all of our journeys.